guys, I am Michaela Dice. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us here on my podcast because you belong here. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about testimonies. I am a firm believer that your testimony should be someone else's prophecy. So we will be talking with some of my friends and family and people that I love about things that God has done in their lives. And I will be sharing different things about things that God has spoken to my heart and things that I've experienced through him and his word. And so I just wanted to tell you, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair and come hang out with us as we go deep, discovering the ways that God has proven his love in tangible ways. I am so excited you're here. All right. Welcome back to the podcast because you belong here. I am having an interview with my dear friend, Trisha Thayer today, and she's just going to share some things with us about the amazingness of God in her life. So <laughs> Trisha, why don't you tell yes. everybody a little bit about yourself and what you are, what you do and who you are? Yeah. So my name is Trisha and, um, I met Michaela through the city hope worship team. Um, I am one of our volunteer worship leaders and uh, my husband is a pastor on uh, staff at our church, and we together get to run City Hope College, which is a specific ministry college for young ministers and people who want to pastor and shepherd and lead worship and go into the creative world. And so uh, we have a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, recently God has um, kind of given me the opportunity to be in the house flipping world which has also been a very unique journey and um, something that's very fun that has uniquely given me the opportunity to sow my life into the kingdom of God. And so it's, um, it's been really incredible to watch his fingerprints and his voice um, come to fruition in our life in a, in a very new and exciting way. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited to see how your first flip turns out and how everything goes. Me too. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun, learned a lot of new things about myself and how much I love power tools and all the things. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Looks like you're having a really great time tearing things up and repurposing them or putting things back together. Yes, I hope that I am as good at repurposing them as I have been at tearing them down. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. So no. fun. Our first question is, okay. I want you to go ahead and start by sharing a time or a season of your life when God really moved in or for, um, just in you and the things that you've been doing or, you know, it can be now yeah. or past or whatever. Um, so I think the first thing that comes to mind, um, is, is my new journey because it has been such a a place of prayer and fasting in mine and my husband's life for several years. And so um, when we first got married, um, it was in January of 2008, and we almost immediately went on staff together as youth pastors at our church. And we grew a youth group from 14 kids. We had 14 kids at our first youth service. Um, and we were consistently having around 150 on Wednesday nights. And we were just, we were so in love with, with this ministry and what we were doing with our lives. And um, we, in 2013, 
started off the year by losing my husband's mom to Lou Gehrig's disease. We had been watching her die um, for a little over 10 years. It had been really hard, but even when you see someone um, struggling with, with disease and, and you can see that their, their end is coming, their earthly end is coming, when you've been praying and fasting for healing, it's a hard swallow that their healing came not this side of heaven. And so um, it was hard, but we were doing really good. Um, however, three months later, my dad, who was actually healthier than he had ever been, um, was killed in a bicycle car collision. And so emotionally, we were just really raw. And um, my dad, my family was coming to um, City Hope Church. Um, and so the pastor of the church, Pastor Jerry, um, approached us after my dad's funeral and said, you know, um, how are you guys doing? What would you think of, of transitioning down here? And it was not, um, we didn't want to make any emotional decisions, but we were in a, in a harder place where we were at. And so prayerfully over the next six months, God did in fact move us down to Alabama. And, um, the hardest shift there was that there was a place for Danny on our church staff, but there was not a place for me. So God had moved me into a full-time job that was um, no longer focused on, on ministry. It was an incredible job. The people that I worked for were incredible um, believers and people of faith and just <laughs> incredible people. But my heart was, was for ministry. And I was in that office for a little over five years. And during that time, my, my faith began to honestly just, just waver. Um, I, I was just questioning God. Like I thought that I had an individual call. I thought that I had an individual purpose. I thought I had this individual calling that was going to look totally different than what it, it was currently looking like. And not being able to do ministry in, in full throttle, which is kind of my personality, um, was, was very hard. I felt like I had been benched. I felt like um, maybe I had not handled my dad's death well enough to be relevant. And there was just all of these things and all of these fears that became big billboards in my life. And I can... I can honestly say that I was always willing to submit those and I was always willing to come back to what he promised me, what he promised me, because I felt called to ministry before I ever met my husband, you know, but on, but on hard days, I would think maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a partner. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just a wife. Maybe, maybe I felt that calling so that I could be useful in Danny's ministry. There were, there were all these things. And I, and I would say, God, that's enough for me. If, if, if my calling here on earth is to be the wife to this incredible man, that is absolutely enough for me, but you're going to have to help me out with all these dreams that I feel like are you planted in my heart because they are very alive. And I'm working in this office doing customer service and I, I think I'm a kind person, but sometimes I want to rip people's hair out. And so I had all of these conflicting things going on in my head and in my heart. And finally, in January of this year, our uh, church was doing a fast and I had had a hard day at work and I got home and my husband was cooking 
what a man of God. And he said, listen, I can hear that you're very frustrated. Let's, you know, and every Tuesday night, my, my husband and I, um, it used to be Tuesday, but now our small group is on Tuesdays, but once a week we do a personal prayer night. Um, no TV. We just turn on worship music and, and we pray, uh, for about an hour. That's and awesome. so it was our, it was our prayer night and see how, see how God sets you up. Uh, so we, we were having our prayer night and I mean, I was, he's cooking, we have worship music going and I'm laying on my face and I'm going, God, yes or no. Like I am at a breaking point. Yes or no. Do you have this for me? And I'm okay. I'm okay if that's not what you have for me. I, I just, I need to know. And as any strong, good woman of God, uh, I had at the time lost my Bible. So I had pulled, <laughs> I had pulled a student Bible off the shelf that I truly just, I don't use it because it's missing like from James through Revelation. So, you know, if you pick it up too much, you're like, does that mean I'm going to miss the rapture? Or like, what if God tells me to read James and I can't, does that mean I'm a failure? So I just leave that, that Bible on the shelf, but it was what I had. So I pulled it out. And as unspiritual as this sounds, I played Bible bingo. I was like, God, yes or no, do you, do you have this for me? And I opened it up and there was this really ugly star. And I recognized the date because the date was, um, was <laughs> I'll start crying. It, uh, the date in my Bible was the date that 18-year-old Trisha had been called into ministry. And the verse, it was from Isaiah. It was from Isaiah 49. And uh, hold on, I'm going to read it to you. It's a big deal. It was from Isaiah 49. And it said, In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people and to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit desolate heritages, that you may say to the prisoners, go forth, and to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. And it was everything. It was everything. 18-year-old Trisha had highlighted and underlined this verse that said, you will say to those in darkness, come out and to the prisoners be free. And it was everything. It was this definition of my calling. And I felt such peace and such strength and such boldness. And I was like, God, I hear you. And whatever your plan looks like, I'm in. And immediately the next day, my father-in-law called and said, hey, I'm thinking about this opportunity to start flipping houses, and I just feel like Trisha is supposed to be my business partner. And my husband was like, yeah, you should call her. And he said she's, she's been a little frustrated in her job. And my father-in-law goes, oh, well, I've been praying if she was supposed to be my business partner that she would become very discontent in her job. And I was like, what? why would you pray that? <laughs> I was like, well, so, so my father-in-law is a praying man, but, um, 
we, we kind of dove into this and I put in my resignation at my job and within 24 hours, I had been asked to do a five minute um, session on a five for five at our church, which is where five communicators get five minutes. Um, and I could not talk to you about it for about two weeks without absolutely sobbing because the goodness of God was so humbling and so overwhelming and so real. And so that was within 24 hours of quitting my job. Within 48 hours of quitting my job, I had also been asked to preach at our youth camp at a night service. And I was like, females taking over. But um, I was just so, God immediately started winking at me, you know? Mm -hmm. He started showing himself in very, very real ways that only he was going to get credit for, that only he was going to get glory for. Like the people who asked me to speak had never heard me preach, you know, like God qualified me in ways that I could never, I could never do this for myself. I could never, God laid my heart, my name on my pastor's heart. God named my, named my name on our youth pastor's heart. And being chosen in such a way after taking such a faith step um, has been one of the most tremendously humbling and overwhelming experiences that I could um, possibly communicate. So um, I know that took a minute, but uh, those are, it was to me, it was, um, it was a miracle that was truly a miracle. The timing could not have been better. And it was 13 years in the making. 18-year-old Trisha literally underlined this prophetic word for 32-year-old Trisha. And only God can do that. Like, <laughs> only God is able to do that. And so to watch him put his hand that purposefully in my life, um, gosh, it's, it's unreal. It's, it, I mean, it is, it's supernatural. It's, it's unreal. So. I love when he does that. That's one of the things that has been like a recurring <laughs> thing in my life the last, I don't know, four months or so, where I just ask him like, Hey, do your thing. And he has been repeating to me, I will not share the glory. I will not share the glory. Yeah. And it's literally like, whenever you lay it down and you say, okay, God, like, please just do, do what you're going to do. Yeah. And he shows up in ways that obviously if no, if they haven't heard you preach and they're asking you to be on stage in front of a thousands of people church. It's crazy. And then like, it's, it's so incredible. Like the way that he throws out his plan is something that just, it blows your mind because you go, that was amazing. And then you're like, I'm really glad I laid that down because I never could have done that. Right. And it's also, it's so humbling because you go, he cares about every detail and he chose to partner with me. Mm-hmm. He saw my frustrations for those years. He saw me fight them. He saw me try to pray for, through them, but he also saw me complain. He saw me gossip to my mom and to my husband, mostly to my mom. My husband would legit be like, you're complaining and you're gossiping and it's, I, it, we got to shut it down. And I'd be like, that's fine. I'm going to call my mom. Uh, so. <laughs> but God, God saw me mess up. He saw me misstep and he just gently guided me into his path so that 
he could do this incredible thing and he could literally in my mind it was moving mountains I saw no opportunity for myself and he's just like bloop look what I can do (laughs) and I love it I love it Will, what is something that you feel like you have learned about him and his love? If there is just a truth about him or something that um, you knew but didn't tangibly know before yeah. all of this, is there something that he For is sure. true to you? So I know the story kind of spans quite a while, but but his revelation of himself in a new way, being uh, it started after my dad's accident. Um, being a youth pastor, you are you are you know, Danny and I both got to preach, and I led worship, and um, we were constantly declaring the the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But until those things have been shaken in your life, um, they're, they're, they're real to you. You believe what you're saying, but there are times when you go through seasons where you're not sure how strongly you believe the true attributes of God. So my, my dad, uh, was killed in this bicycle car collision. And to me, God was not good he was not faithful. And after that accident, my husband had to sit me down and he said, babe, you're sitting in darkness. And I was like, it was actually a really ugly fight. It was probably the worst fight we've ever had in our marriage. I can, I can look at it with heart eyes now, but at the time I was like, come at me again and see if I don't throw something. I mean, it was, it was horrible because I was, I was, mm-hmm. I had allowed darkness in my heart because I was so sad and I had to make a decision that God is who he says he is. He is good and he is faithful. So when I started going through these fears of maybe I'm not actually called, maybe I'm just a wife, maybe I'm, the, you know, those fears of maybe God maybe what you thought his promise is, isn't true for you. And I would be leading worship and declaring God's faithfulness. And the enemy would, would constantly say, maybe he's more faithful for other people. And I would have to shut it down. I would have to recognize what the voice of God was and what, what, what was speaking to my fears. Cause that's not, that's not an attribute of God. And I had to be faithful in my word, even when I wasn't feeling it. Like there has to be a consistency and a discipline to reading God's word, being open to what he's speaking. And for me, that consistency was the only thing that got me through the, maybe God isn't faithful. Maybe God isn't as good as what, you know, young called into ministry, <laughs> young adult thought he was, maybe, maybe that was the emotion. Maybe the emotion was all of these good, good, good God things. And through this season of, of constant submission and constant seeking his face and 
trying to listen for his voice. And one of my favorite voices and I or verses in Isaiah, it says, whether you go to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And constantly listening for that voice. This is the way, walk in it. Um, that, that helped me hear his voice and recognize his faithfulness. Um, more than ever, you know, I, I've always thought of myself as kind of a, a bold and probably, I've probably thought of myself as like an unshakable person. <laughs> so when you get shaken, it kind of, it does, it just shakes everything up. And so if God wasn't faithful, nothing in his word was true. If one attribute of God was not faithful, then his word was void because we base all of our belief on his word being true. And when the enemy convinces you that something in that word is untrue, it shakes and it bleeds into a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. And so for me, for me, it has been a, a constant, kind, consistent reminder that he is good and he is faithful. Mm. That's good. Like, yeah. Soak that up. (laughs) 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 I feel like that's so many things. So many things are God that way that if you think like, well, maybe he just doesn't feel like he wants to do this for me. Like whatever it is. I don't know that I truly wrap my brain around that. And you can, if, if the enemy convince, can convince you that something he, he spoke to you is off, then you're like, well, what does the voice of God sound like? And what is it saying? And, and a lot of confusion and chaos comes in. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be willing to step back and say, what in my thought process is not in line with the word of God? He is not a God of chaos. His word promises peace beyond understanding. If you've ever experienced loss and you've submitted that hurt to the Lord, you recognize the realness of that verse in ways that are truly like there aren't words for them. They are uncomprehendable because you don't have to understand why you have peace. When I get to heaven, I have a lot of questions about it, but I can walk in peace even though the world around me is, is trying to throw chaos at me. So, so that's the voice of God. The voice of God is peace without understanding. So when, when you feel chaos, you have to go, chaos is not the voice of God. Confusion. Confusion is not the voice of God. And so you have to be, be willing to say, okay, what's going on in my mind right now is emotional. There's a lot of feelings and there's a lot of fears. I have a lot of fears that that are coming out and they are trying to skew who who my mind believes that God is. Mm -hmm. And so I have to take a step back and look at the word because the bottom line, folks, (laughs) the bottom line is, do we believe that he is who he said he is? Is he who he said he is? And the answer is always a resounding yes. Amen to that. And he 
brings us into that peace. But we've got to be willing to do the work on our side. We've got to open our Bible. We've got to turn on our worship music. We've got to meditate on the things that he has to say. In, in this world, we can always find someone, even someone that proclaims to be a prophet, someone that proclaims to be a man or woman of God. We can find someone to edify our, our emotions and our hurts and our want to be away from the word. And I just need to figure me out and all. But we have to be willing to put in the word and read our word and let God say who he is to us. Mm-hmm. I believe in godly counsel. I believe in wisdom. I mean, I've dedicated my life to it. My husband and I shepherd people and we believe in asking for wisdom. Not above seeking God's wisdom for your life. Like God, if you give him the opportunity, he will always speak for himself. That's true. So good. I love it. Well, you have shared a couple scriptures with me. Um, do you have anything as far as like a Rama word, like a time that scripture came alive to you that you just really clung to it other than those other two that you shared already? Um, those are definite life verses for me. Another one is, um, is out of Philippians, Philippians 1, 6, and it says, being confident of this, that he who began a work inside of me will continue performing it until the day of Christ Jesus. And that verse, it's so funny to me. <laughs> like, um, this is a verse that I've known like my entire, entire life. My mom was the children's church director at the very small Southern Baptist church that I grew up going to. And she taught us songs for scriptures. So this uh, song, I actually know it. It's kind of like the Jamaican tune that my mom made up. And it's like, being confident of this that he who has begun is. I mean, I could like, so people think that I can like spit out this scripture, but in my mind, I'm doing this like Jamaican dance. <laughs> and so, but because I had known it for so long, um, it's kind of one of those things that the moment that God made it real to me, and it, it was definitely during this season, um, being confident of this, that he who began a work inside of me will continue performing it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, are you so confident that I have this for you? Do you trust me enough to be fully sold out to exactly where you're at? Instead of focusing on the future, instead of focusing on what you can do, because honestly, the only scriptures in the Bible that that teach us about self-promotion are the enemy himself, and he got himself kicked out of heaven for it. God wants to design our promotions for us. He wants to be the one that is in charge of our favor and our promotions and all of this goodness. And so I just felt the Holy Spirit say, are you confident enough that you believe that he who began a work in you is going to continue performing it? And do you believe that so much that you will be totally sold out to where you are right now in this office doing customer service 
are you so, so confident that I have this for you, that you'll wait for me? And for me, this rhema word was, was not just encouraging. Um, it was kind of a, a kick in the pants. <laughs> it was kind <laughs> of a, hey, girl, you could do better. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I do believe that most of the time, rhema words are both encouraging and convicting. Mm-hmm. They encourage us where we are doing well, and they can convict us where we could definitely do better. And that's how we see such incredible results from them. We've got the, okay, I know what I need to change, and I know what I need to do. <laughs> and for me, that verse has become something that I quote almost daily. Mm-hmm. And it's almost a chant. It becomes a, a chant like being confident being confident of this thing he who began a work is gonna oh sometimes it's russian it just depends (laughs) on how intense i need to be for the day (laughs) so but it's definitely um been something that has been settling itself in my heart and spirit and it has um promoted great growth and also great resilience. Um, I think resilience can be something that can be lacking in, in today's Christian world because the, the world itself has convinced us to be reactive. Um, but when you have confidence in God, there's a, there's a resilience in you to keep going, to push forward or stay steady where you're at, whatever it is he's speaking to you. Um, confidence confidence can be a definite game changer <laughs> and it has been for me so <laughs> love it yay do so you have anything else you want to share i don't think so not other than you are freaking amazing <laughs> i don't know what kind of podcast this is i don't know if i'm supposed to say freaking or not so there it is hi <laughs> It's me. It's really just, you know, hey, just be friends. That's it. <laughs> I will say, so when we were uh, youth pastors, we uh, our church lost our children's pastor for a little while. And my senior pastor thought it would be a great idea for me to jump in as children's pastor. Horrible, horrible <laughs> idea. And so my first Sunday as children's pastor, um, I, I told this kid to shut up. You can do that with youth. You can tell youth to shut up. <laughs> and so this kid raises his hand and he goes, Miss Trisha, you said the S word. And I was like, Psh, I know what the S word is and I didn't say it. <laughs> so, but I was like, okay, be calm, be cool. And a few minutes later, I said, dang it. That same kid raised his hand. He goes, Miss Trisha, you said the D word. And in not my finest moment, I said, you live in a sheltered household. Tell your mommy to get cable. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow I did not get fired. Like I was still the children's pastor for like months. So that's why it wasn't just one Sunday. (laughs) Oh no, it should have been. Where was his mother? (laughs) I actually went back to Memphis a worship and word conference about two weeks ago and one of the kids that was in that children's ministry he's now in college and he uh his mom was 
the host, my host for the conference. And so he had come to lunch with us and he was like, do you remember that time that you threatened to wrap your microphone cord around my neck? And I was like, oh, yes, let's just say that in front of your mom. So I guess that would just be know who you are and know who you aren't when you're seeking this confidence because I am not a children's <laughs> And everyone listening is like, no, don't let her around my children. <laughs> I'm sure if it was the, you know, you felt like wrapping your cord around someone's throat in the two hours that you had them with you, I'm sure that his mom wasn't surprised. No, not at all. And I mean, I can, I'll take your college students. I, you know, you can wrap a cord around their neck and it doesn't even phase them. So it's fine. (laughs) I love it. Well. Thank you so much for joining us today and well, sharing thank so much you of your story. For having me. So much it. fun. So much fun. I love that God in his goodness saw me where I was and pulled me out of it and didn't let me stay in darkness or in fear or in doubt. And any opportunity to share all that he has been for me and who he is to me is an incredible honor. So thank you so much for your obedience, for doing this and, and for letting me come on. Absolutely. Yay.